This morning, I would like to share something that, that the Lord dropped into my heart several weeks ago as I was preparing for this. The title of my message is A, a Saviour in a Manger. A Saviour in a Manger. Now let's get this few, first, few, first few things sorted out first. Alright? Jesus was not born in a manger. Okay? Can we agree on that? Okay, some of you are looking at me funny like, huh? But I've learned this all this while. Jesus was born in a manger. You know? No, no, no. Jesus was not born in a manger because the word manger in Latin, it means to chew or to eat. Um, there's a lot of, sorry, uh, the, uh, Stephen, it's a, a lot of reverb going on here. Can you help me tweak it a little bit? Okay, the, word, the Latin word manger is to chew or to eat. It's referring to a thing. It's not referring to a place. Okay, so the picture that you see, you know, this is a manger. That thing is a manger. So unless Mary jumped into the manger and gave birth in the manger, right, which I think is not possible, right? Not possible. Jesus was not born in the manger. Jesus was laid in the manger. Alright, can we get that? Alright, gets all this sorted out. Don't worry, don't worry. You still have your salvation. All these years, you know, Jesus was born in the manger. No, 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 no. It's okay. All is well. Right, we are still safe. So Jesus was not born in a manger. He was laid in a manger. In fact, the word manger was only used in the Gospel of Luke four times. The, word, the Greek word, patne, uh, was only used four times in the book of Luke. And that was it. There was a reference of how, how specific Luke was in, 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 in recalling the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. So where was Jesus born? So was Jesus, Jesus was not born in the manger. So where was he born? Okay, there was there lots of scholars who have, who have gone through this and has gone back to, to study, you know, that how, Jewish, how the Jewish houses are. So you must understand, remember when Joseph and Mary traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, this was there, he was traveling back to his, to his hometown, the, ho the, home, the hometown of his origin. So usually in all their Jewish homes, there is a family home. Alright, and because perhaps by the time, you know, we understand that there was a census being taken. And because of this huge influx of people into Bethlehem, by the time Joseph and Mary got back to their home, to this house, the whole place was already filled. Okay, the whole place was already filled. So usually in a Jewish home, the upper grounds are usually called the guest rooms, which is the inn. So when Jesus, when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem and they went back to this house, this Jewish house, there's no room in the inn. There's no room in the guest room. So they were probably relegated to the lower floors. And where these lower floors are where there's a common area. And um, in fact, you know, in the Jewish custom, not unlike you and I, you know, if you own some cows, where would you put your cows? You will put them far, far away because of the smell and the, you know, you put them in the stable or something, right? You, you, or you, if you own some horses, you will put them far, far away. You wouldn't, some of you, some of us, we, most of us, we put our dogs outside. But nowadays, all your cute little poodles and your chihuahuas are out in the house, lah, right? But we usually put our animals outside. But in the Jewish culture, because they loved and valued their animals, those animals that were, were vulnerable, especially the calf and the small and the young, the young of the animals, they would sometimes put the animals inside the house, in that lower area. And when you have the animals inside the house, you need to feed them, right? So therefore, there was a manger, 
a feeding trough inside the house. Now, Jesus was born, and having no other place to place him, there was a manger right there. He was laid in a manger. Okay? Can we get that sorted? Okay? Can? So now, now we all like, oh, you how can? You don't always, we see the nativity scene, now we see this little hut, you know, with Jesus there, and then he's out. In, you know, I always wondered to myself, if that was really the case, right? How in the world, who gave birth, who helped Mary give birth to Jesus? Was it Joseph? Oh, Joseph was there delivering the baby Jesus. I always wondered, you know, how come? They're out in the nowhere, you know, out somewhere, and then suddenly, suddenly in this cute little hut, baby Jesus is born, and then there's nobody else to help Mary. It's so terrible, right? Cannot be. So now, all of us understand it a little bit, that probably, that this, this is the most probable thing that happened, that Jesus was born in the lower deck, that lower deck of a Jewish home, where there was a manger there, and he was laid in a manger. But nevertheless, the first few weeks or few first few days of Jesus' birth, he was not in the comfort of a beautiful baby cot. Nicely lined with cot bumpers and dangling music toys over his cot. You know, we would put that, right? All these cute little dangling little, little things that, that float around on top of the head there. Put music, nice music there. He wasn't put in, he was in a makeshift bed in a manger. Now, I want us to understand this as well. When Jesus was born, He was God incarnate already. He was all God. He was all man. From the moment He was born, He was already all God. He was all man. He didn't grow into His deity. He didn't suddenly assume Godship at the age of 30, you know, when, when, he, when, when he was baptized. It didn't, ha- it didn't happen that way. He was already all God. He was all man at that very point of his birth. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself to take on the form of man. So which means at that very point he was born, he was already all God, all man. So can you imagine with me, to me it seems outrageous, this God, he's all God, he's all powerful, he's all that you understand him to be, was laying in a manger. Wow. That's how humble he was. Today I want to talk to us about the manger, this saviour in the manger, lying in the manger, and pray that this part of the Christmas story will once again remind us of how amazing God is and how, how much He loves us, each and every one of us. And our only response to Him is in worship and in adoration to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Come on, nudge your neighbor, tap them on the shoulder and tell them, prepare to be awed by God again. Come on, tell them, prepare to be awed by God again. Prepare to be awed by God again. Last week, Pastor Vincent preached a powerful sermon from Luke chapter 2. And when he started the sermon on Saturday service, he preached on Saturday service as well. And I sat there, I went, no, why are you like this? Why you must preach from the same passage? Why you must preach on the same passage? You know, and, and it has happened several times. You know, every time before I preach, the week before I preach, he will be preaching and it will be something similar or he will have said everything I wanted to say. I'm like, oh, yeah, like this, you preach like, all by yourself, you know, I don't want to take already. Because so happened, like I said, the word manger is only found in the book of Luke. Nowhere else. I cannot take the reference from any other Gospels. I cannot take the reference. So I had to do this picture, big, big, uh, passage. But, but, you know, thank God he went on a different angle. Uh, yeah? Because the Word of God is so rich. You can, you can understand it and, and take it in. And he speaks to us in so many ways. 
And he preached a powerful sermon about places, about places and where is your there. And I pray that God will continue to speak to you, especially in this new year, that God will place you in the place where it's your there. It's the there that he wants you to be. It's the there that, that, will fully, that you will fully uh, realize God's purposes in your life. So the text for today is taken from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, and Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, and Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. Those are a lot of verses. So to help us, to help us with reading and understanding this entire context, this entire text, right, there is, I'm going to show us a short video that will paraphrase the, all these scriptures into these few minutes. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent an angel to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. The angel said, Greetings, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will never end. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be days Caesar issued a decree that a census should be taken and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Bethlehem the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting her firstborn child. While they were there the time came for the baby to be born and Mary gave birth to a son. She wrapped him in a blanket and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks. An angel appeared to them and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, just as the angel had said. When they had seen him, they spread the word about what they had been told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed. The shepherds returned, praising God for all they had heard and seen. Amen. Come on, let's give God the glory for the greatest story ever told. Woohoo! Yeah. This is part and parcel of the greatest story ever told. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came for us. And I, wanted, I want to share a few thoughts with you about the manger. First and foremost, the manger was his plan. The manger was his plan. Luke says, Records that Mary, Mary laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And it almost seems ridiculous to me that the maker of the heavens and the earth had no place for himself. Doesn't that 
Doesn't that, you know, spark something in you? He was the maker. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth. By the breath of His voice, He made things into being. By the breath of His, his that Ruach breath, that breath, the moment He spoke, that creation happened. And yet, there was no room for Him in the inn. He had to be laid in a manger. I want us to understand this, that the, the, the plan for the Messiah was not an afterthought. It was not an afterthought that after, after God tried so many ways to save His people, ah, yeah, no choice, lah, Jesus. Looks like, looks, like, looks like we don't have a choice now. You've got, really got to go down to earth. So it wasn't an afterthought. In the Old Testament, prophets have prophesied about His birth over and over and over again. The mention about the great high priest that someone that will come and save us, a savior, as a Messiah that is going to come to save Israel. It was mentioned all those years before Jesus was born. So it was not an afterthought. Micah chapter 2, chapter 5 verse 2 tells us this. But you, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from, old, from of old, from ancient times. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. I need you to follow with me. Don't fall asleep on me. Follow me because this is going to tell you, show you something here. It was not an afterthought. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Micah, whatever Micah said, was said five, 700 over years before Jesus was born. 700 over years before Jesus was born. This prophecy was given 700 over years before Jesus actually came down on earth. God had over seven centuries to prepare for the birth of the child, of his child. He had over seven centuries and more to prepare for the birth of this baby. Another thing that really baffles my mind is this. He could have found a virgin, a faithful virgin, a faithful, uh, a noble girl, a noble virgin, and a faithful husband from the lineage of David right there in Bethlehem. But no. What did he do? All the way in Nazareth, he speaks to a young girl by the name of Mary. She gets pregnant in Nazareth far from the town where Jesus was prophesied to be born. Remember, Micah says he will be born in Bethlehem. So far away, 80 miles away, 129 kilometers. I actually Google mapped it. From church, 129, about 129 kilometers up north is actually Sungkai. Sungkai in Perak. If you go down south, 129 kilometers is about going down to Tampin. I mean, come on. PJ, no noble girl, man. Huh? Glad tidings, no noble girl, man. Why must, why must get someone from Tampin? Why must get someone from Sungai? It almost is that way. Couldn't he find someone right in Bethlehem itself? But rather than getting someone all the way from Nazareth and she is pregnant and now she has to travel all the way back there? No wonder they were late. Can you imagine, we also travel, when you travel in your cars and all that, right? You will, you will, you will have to stop on R&Rs because you want to go shishila, you want to buy snacks, you want to do this, you want to do that. You know, you, you stop so many, so many stops just to get to your destination. A pregnant woman 
pregnant woman on a donkey perhaps or walking, she would have to stop many, many stops. No wonder when they got to Bethlehem, there was no room in the inn. I mean, makes sense, right? Now, it even gets even more interesting here. Look at this. Remember? Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth. But this baby inside Mary had to be born in Bethlehem. Who created this problem? Who created this problem? God himself. He could have very easily gotten a woman there, right? But to solve the problem that God... Some of you are like, oh my gosh, how can God create a problem? You know, of course. No, no, no. So right, right. Come down, come down. Let me show you this. But to solve a problem that God himself had seemingly created, what did, he could have very easily sent a dream to Joseph Send a dream, you know, to say that, you know, you've got some personal things to settle or there's, you have to do something for me to in Bethlehem. Right? So please travel back to Bethlehem and fulfill whatever I ask you to do. But no! What did he do? He ordered the most powerful ruler of the Roman Empire at that point of time to call for an empire-wide census so that everyone could go back to their town of origin so that this one woman and this man would get back to where they are supposed to be so that his son would be born in Bethlehem as it was prophesied 700 years ago. That's like, what in the world, God? It's, to me, his plans blows my mind. Just for this to be fulfilled, he had to order an empire-wide census to get one woman and one man back to where he wants this child to be born. And you think you know what God is doing globally. And you think you know what God is up to all these years in your life. If the salvation plan if the plan for his child, for the divine child of Christ to be born had so many twists and turns, why do you think God's plan for your life will be linear? Some of you have gone through many, many twists and turns this year alone. Hello, am I talking to real people here this morning? Some of you have gone through many, many twists and turns this year. When you started this year, you thought that it's just going to be from A, point A to point B, point D to point C. It should be that simple. I don't need my life to be so complicated. It's okay, one God. I, I'm not very exciting. One. No, I watch a Korean drama, can already. That one is exciting enough. But he doesn't work that way. His salvation plan prophesied many, many years ago, which he had many, many years, many, many centuries to prepare for. And yet, he still chose the manger. The manger was his plan. The manger was his plan. And it goes to remind me that, guess what, friends? 
As much as we want our lives to be linear, there will be twists and turns along the way. But be rest assured of this. Despite the twists and turns, despite all the complications that need to take place, despite all that, that, that had to happen for this child to be born right where he wanted him to be born, be rest assured that God's plans and purposes will come to pass. Oh, come on. Do I have to come down there and amen myself? God's plans and purposes will come to pass. God's plans and purposes for your life will come to pass. No matter how twisted and turned things have gone, His plans and purposes will come to pass. You don't understand it. You don't see it. You don't see what's happening globally. Sometimes we are so myopic to see our own situations and we're already so frustrated. Why God? Why did you allow this to happen? Why is this happening? Why is that door closed? Why suddenly the government has changed their rulings? Now I can't get in there to work anymore. Now I can't apply for my visa anymore. A lot of these things happen because God is at work in your life, in the life of your neighbour, in the life of the person next to you. God's plan is at work globally. God's plan is at work locally. God's plan is at work in your office, in the environment. In fact, it has been at work from before you were born. It has been in work, at work. The reason why you are here is because of things that God has done in the past. That's why you are here, right here, right now. And the things that you're going to do, it's going to affect whatever that's going to happen many, many, many years down the road as well. Because God has a plan for our lives and His plans are always good. It may be mysterious, but it's always good. Come on, shake your neighbor and say, God's plans for your life is good. Come on, God's plans for your life. Oh, I don't know whether I'm speaking to believers this morning or not. Maybe I should give a salvation call now. God's plans for your life is good. Come on, shake them, tell them, wake them up and say that God's plans for your life is good. Nazareth to Bethlehem. As we come to the close of this year, I don't know what some of you have gone through. But the twists and turns in your life, expect them. There will be twists and turns in the coming year as well. But be rest assured that He will never leave you nor forsake you, that His plans for you are perfect. And He will see you through every part of that journey. Amen? Amen? We all like to hear, we all like to hear very nice stories. You know, God, it's going to be a nice road, a nice one, no problem. You know, once you believe Jesus. You know, even things like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yes, he didn't say that there will be no weapons that will be formed against you. Guess what? Be prepared. There will be weapons that will be formed against you. He didn't say that there will be no weapons that will be formed against you. He says that no weapons formed against you shall prosper. So expect the weapons. Expect the attacks. Expect those who will throw darts at you, throw spears at you, throw stones at you. But guess what? They will never hurt you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I declare that over your life. Amen? 
and God will see you through your journey where He wants you to be. No matter how twisted and how turned everything will turn out, may turn out to be, maybe maybe so inconceivable. But yet, if He could move an entire census just to get His will to be done, His Son to be born in Bethlehem, He can turn thick situations around when you least expect it for His glory and for His namesake, just as He's planned. The manger was His plan. Amen? Secondly, the manger was enough. The manger was enough. I mentioned, I said, that the journey, sometimes God promises us and the plans to fulfill that journey may not be so smooth. If anyone who, who should be throwing a fit, if anyone who should be upset should be Joseph and Mary. There they are, when the Lord spoke to Mary, and when the angel appeared before her and told her, you shall be pregnant, you shall be, you know, the Holy Spirit will overcome you and you shall conceive a child, you should name him Jesus. And this sweet Mary replies, I am the Lord's servant, be it to me according to your word. She was so faithful, she was so trusting. And she did all that. She trusted the Lord. And God, couldn't you at least provide me a limousine as I go to Bethlehem? Oh, come on. At least, you know, at least a limousine. I am pregnant with your child, you know, excuse please. And come on. I am bearing the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. At least prepare a room in Prince Court Hospital for me. Nice bit lah. No room in the inn. If anyone who should be throwing a fit, it should be Mary and Joseph. The, 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 the risk of and the embarrassment. People could be talking and gossiping. Yeah, this one shotgun marriage lah. Huh? Pregnant already, you know. So that's why I must get married fast, fast, faster lah, you know. The, the embarrassment, the humiliation, the, the things that, that people could be talking. This is a pregnant woman. She's not even married. The least you could do, God, is prepare a room in the inn. Pastor preached last week. When God leads you there, there may not be a bit of roses. It may not be what you expect it to be. But there is a place where you are totally fulfilled. There is a place where you are totally, you have totally have that joy, knowing that you are in the center of God's will. Mary could have shouted, This is not the deal, God. I didn't expect to travel away from where I have settled to give birth here in Bethlehem. I preached some months ago, I think a year ago in the Saturday at 5 on, on Noah. And there was a very powerful lesson that Noah taught me. Noah obeyed God to build the ark, correct? Everybody knows that, right? Noah obeyed God to build the ark. He built the ark when everybody else was laughing at him and said, why are you doing such a silly thing? Because there's going to be rain. Why are you building such a big, huge ark? He built the ark, gathered his family, all eight of them, into the ark, and then... Um, and then he had, he gathered the animals two by two into the ark. From the moment he shut the door of the ark, do you know how long Noah was in the ark? 
Noah was in the ark for 383 days, one year and 17 days. God didn't prepare him for this. God didn't tell him specifically. God told him specifically how to build the ark. Build the ark of gopher wood. Build the ark out of this. You know how it should be, how high it should be, how depth, how, how many rooms and this. God gave him specifics, but we never read any portion of the Bible that God told him, you're going to be in the ark for 383 days. Now, I don't understand this. I don't understand how Noah even survived in the ark with a bunch of family members who is probably so, you know how family members are when you are with them for too long? Oh, come on, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. 383 days confined in one small space together, like every day in the morning, noon, and night. And then with all these animals, some of them are nocturnal, some of them are daytime. So there's no moment when there is a quiet moment. Can you imagine? They're smelly, they're stinky, they're hungry. 383 days. He didn't sign up for this. This was no Royal Caribbean cruise, yeah? There was no entertainment in the cruise. And la, 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 cabaret show going on there. No casino. Nothing. Nothing. No, no form. But there was probably a circus. Uh. A zoo, perhaps. They would go in and malawat, you know. Oh, this is the tiger. This is the lion. And every day they would do the same thing. 383 days in that ark. I wonder how he survived. But yet, the moment when God said, when finally, only when God finally said, Noah, open the door. That was when he heeded and he opened the door. Not even when the raven, brought, not even when, when the dove brought back that twig, he didn't open the door. You go back and read your Bible in Genesis. Not even then, he only opened the door when God spoke to him, Noah, open the door. And the moment he opened the door and he saw the land, he saw the greeneries, he saw how beautiful the land was. That's when he knew how fulfilled he was. He was right there in the center of God's will, even when he didn't understand what God was doing 383 days with all these monkeys and, and, and literally monkeys with him. And yet, the moment the door was opened, he knew that he had obeyed God. And that was the best place to be in. I'm going to say something here. Sometimes, we think that we've done God a huge favour when we've obeyed Him. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes, we think we've done God a huge favour when we've obeyed Him. But can I say this to you? Obedience is for you. Obeying God is for yourself. Obeying God is so that you will be in the center of God's will. Obeying God is so that you will walk in the ways that He wants you to walk and you will be blessed in ways that only He can bless. That is obedience. God doesn't owe us anything when we obey Him. But a lot of times, our out, the, the, our, the out, when the outcome of that obedience doesn't match with the expectation of that obedience, that's why we get disappointed with God. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? The outcome of that obedience doesn't match with the expectation of that obedience. That's why we get frustrated with God. God, I obeyed you. How come you still allow these things to happen? 
Noah says, God, I obeyed you. How come I'm still stuck in this ark after two months, after three months, after four months, after half a year? Why am I still stuck? Mary could have said, God, I obeyed you. Why do I still have to travel all this while and come to this place where there's no room in the inn? I have to give birth in this place and lay your child in a manger? You need to allow your encounters with God to have more weight than your questions. You need to allow your encounters with God to have more weight in your life than your questions. That's why God encountering moments are so important. It is in those very moments when God speaks to you. It is in that very moment when, when, God had, when Mary had the encounter with God through the angelic experience. That was enough for her to carry her through to Bethlehem and to give birth and to lay her child in a manger. The manger was enough. When Noah had the encounter with God to build the ark, that was enough for him to overshadow every question, every doubt, everything that he had inside him to go to, to scream and yell, keep quiet everybody, I'm going to open the ark, I'm going to drown all of you. you know, out of frustration. If my questions and doubts were louder than my encounters with God. I'm quite sure I wouldn't be standing here today. Because I would have been so disillusioned with things that were happening. I would have been so disillusioned with people. I would have been so disillusioned by so many things. And I would have walked out. But I know that I know that I know that God has encountered me. That God had spoken to me and God had, had specific words for my life. And so many of you, you are still seated right here because you are holding on to the promises of God in your life. To those God-encountering moments. They kept you going despite the journey being so difficult, despite you only having a manger. That was all you got. But the manger was enough. His grace, the grace of God was enough. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your times of weakness. His grace was enough for you. The manger was enough. At the end of last year, the Lord challenged me once again to rethink about my call and, and His direction in my life. And I prayed earnestly, you know, for a good season and I think it was beginning of, of this year. I remember seated at Hall 1 in the first pew in the, the Saturday at 5 service and I sat there and the Lord said this to me. Gwen, can you give up the pulpit? The platform, sorry. Gwen, can you give up the platform? Now, God was speaking something to me to ask me to relinquish my position as a worship pastor. When I took on the position 10 years, 10 over years ago, I, 
I, I took it on because out of obedience, because at that point of time, they needed a worship pastor, and I worship led, and I'm a minister. Therefore, okay, like, become worship pastor. It was that simple. All right? So I took it on. And I thought that relinquishing it would be something that was very easy because I never really wanted it in the first place. But after 10, 11 years being in that ministry, when God spoke to me there and said, Gwen, can you let go of the platform? I wish I was like Mary. I'm the Lord's servant. Be to me according to your word. I wish I was so noble like her. No, but I, stood, I, sat, I, I sat there and cried. Ah, I don't want. It's so difficult. Let me start all over again. Ah, I must marry. No. I, I struggled. I struggled and I struggled. But in the end, I yielded and I spoke to Pastor Vincent. I said, Pastor, it's time. I think I need to relinquish my position as worship pastor. And the Lord has spoken to me because this is why the Lord had called me to the ministry in the first place. I was called to the missions. I was called to be with the people not take on this position and I need to fulfill that call in my life. And of course, the happiest man on earth was him. Because he, in the interim, when we are looking for an LCS pastor, he was the LCS pastor. So when finally, when somebody actually went up to him and said, yes, you know, please give me the LCS position, I believe it was an answer to prayers as well. So I took it on. We took on in May, right? May, June. Around that time, I was installed as the LCS pastor. Pastor John was then installed as the worship pastor. So many things, just trying to understand what it entails to take on this LCS position. So many things, you know, suddenly, you know, that I'm meeting with home, suddenly I'm going here, suddenly, and then there was the charity bazaar that was just in, in August. There was a lot of things happened. I attended meetings after meetings with management council, like this, like, so many things I was going on and had all these things and trying to understand and grasp what was, what was needed for this position. And then came our LCS weekend. Do you remember the LCS weekend where we had the booths, the LCS, all the booths outside and, and you know, and, and how amazing it was to have all the children outside and you got to know the kids and, and so on and so forth. That weekend, on Wednesday before that weekend, when I was supposed to preach the first maiden sermon as the LCS pastor, wow, because I have taken on and I will beat God, right? Woohoo! Wednesday. I find out that my mother was diagnosed with cancer. We had to stay in the hospital for a few days because uh, one day, one night, sorry, because we had to do a colonoscope and uh, she had a huge growth in her colon. Huge. That the scope couldn't even pass through. So after that scope, we returned home on a Friday. Right? I stayed overnight with her. We returned home on a Friday evening. It's just unpacking my things. And my husband said that my son had been complaining of abdominal pain for the last two days. So on Friday evening, my husband brings my son to the hospital. Remember, yeah? I just came back from the hospital, from Asunta Hospital. And then my husband is bringing my son now to Sunway Hospital. And then as I was unpacking my bag, I get a call from my husband. Ryan has to be admitted because he's got appendicitis. He's scheduled for surgery the next day. I'm preaching on Saturday, yeah? I'm obeying the Lord, yeah? Be it to me according to your word. At 11 o'clock in the morning, on Saturday morning, he goes in for surgery. The surgery takes much longer than it was intended. 
He only came out at about one something, almost two. I stayed in the hospital until three something. I rushed home, got ready, and then came to preach. I preached through the weekend, Sunday, praise the Lord. It was one of the most amazing weekends to see so many church members and so many of you participating in, 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 in the homes. I come home, I rush to the hospital. The next day, the very early, the next day, I had to rush to the hospital again because my mother had an appointment with a colorectal surgeon in UH very early in the morning. What happened to being obedient to God? Obeying God is not doing God a favor. Obeying God is for ourselves. To cut the long story short, my mother went through surgery. She, it was a major resection and she recovered very, very well even from the surgery. And please mind you, she is 80 years old. So for, that, for her to survive the surgery, I must give God all the glory already. Come on, let's give God the praise. Right now, she's in Chinese church in the service. Yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, she is. She still walks around. She's amazing. She's, God is doing amazing work in her life and, and, put, and faith is just growing in her. What I'm trying to say is this. Your obedience will sometimes may not be a bed of roses, but the manger was enough. You may be going through manger seasons in your life, that you obeyed God and you thought that it would turn out the way that you thought it would turn out. But all you got was a manger. The manger was enough. As you end this year, I pray that you will realize that in your heart and in your spirit. That the manger is enough. That you don't go focusing on things that you don't have and you have not seen come to pass yet, but you focus on a great God who is seeing your plans come to pass and the manger was part of the plan. And finally, the manger is the message. The manger was his message. Luke chapter 2, 11, 12 says this, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and, laying, and lying in a manger. Sorry, I forgot to finish my story. Why I shared that story with you was this, about my mom and the whole experience of obedience. Because this last couple of months, after taking, since taking on these things, yes, has it been difficult? Did I have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And I'm still traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And I'm still wondering how come there's no broom in the inn. And I'm still a lot of times wondering, why is it so tough? But yet, it has been really some of the most fulfilling times in ministry in my life. I say that with all my heart. To see God working in the lives of this church, to see God using every single one of you to make an impact in the way that you have reacted and responded even in the LCS Charity Bazaar, to see how many all of you have participated in, participating in, in, in bringing the food for the food bank, to have the children hug you, to have the children just, just say, you know, you, just give you that, that simple hug. It has been some of the most fulfilling days in ministry in my life. Yes, it may not be easy, but it is the most fulfilling days in your life, when you walk in the centre of God's will.
in the manger, what's his message? While God could have made a very special entrance, remember, he had many, many years, many centuries to prepare for his birth, the birth of his child, of his son. Prepared a beautiful inn and beautiful gold-plated crib, studded with diamonds, lined with beautiful blankets, silk blankets, and painted the wall in blue with the name J-E-S-U-S on the wall. Oh, come on, new parents here, don't, don't, look at, don't look at me as if you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, in the birth of your first child, there you are doing all these things, making it such a beautiful place for the arrival of your son, of your, of your daughter. And yet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords arrives and all he gets is a common room and a manger. The angels were told to tell the shepherds in the field now, has it ever occurred to you, why tell the shepherds? Why of all people announce Jesus' arrival to the shepherds? Couldn't he announce it to some noblemen? Who couldn't he announce to some important people? Why the shepherds? Why of all people, a group of ruffians, a group of people who are rough, tough and, and smelly and not, and not the nicest people? The shepherds. You know Why? Because the shepherds were the only folks who would understand the extent of this paradox. The shepherds of all people, they would understand the irony of the situation of that announcement that the angels made. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Well, that first part was very glorious, glorious. A saviour is born and in the town of David, the Messiah, the Lord is born. It's such a glorious message. And then suddenly it goes, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, that was the baffling part. If I were a shepherd, I too want to rush and, and, and go and see. Because, huh? One moment you're telling me this is the Messiah, this is the Lord, this is the great the saviour of the world. The next moment you're telling me is lying in a manger. And the shepherds of all people understood what was the condition of a manger. A manger was a dirty thing. It was something that they were used to. They would put their scraps of food, they would put hay and they would put whatever for their livestock to eat in the manger. And you know how cows and all these animals, they have, not even, I'm not even talking about the dung. I'm talking about the cow itself. It has a smell. They would brush around that manger, they would hit themselves and, and you know the tail, flip, flap, flip, flap, I don't know why it's at the back, and it would flap, 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 and it could all be around that manger as well. So the shepherds knew very, 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 very well what is the condition of a manger. So it really doesn't make sense for a Messiah to be in a manger. But yet, that was his message. That Jesus came. He wasn't looking for a perfect place. He wasn't looking for a place that is spick and span and cleaned out. He was just looking for a place that was available. And that's why I'm here. Because even before I loved myself, God loved me. Even before I knew who I was, I was still struggling to find out my identity as a young person, God knew me. 
even before you've cleaned out from all the habits and all your things that you are struggling with, God chose you. Even when you still had to deal with all those things that, that were, were the problems in your life, He said, I still want you. It's not because we have achieved or attained anything. It's only by the grace of God that we are where we are today. The manger was his message. Message that would say that I am here for all. The shepherds, the wise men, the kings, I'm here for all. And all it takes is for you to have an available room in your heart for me. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what circumstances you are going through. But all it takes is for you to have a room in your heart available for Him. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for availability. He entered your life because you say, God, I need you. And he's right there in the manger. His presence is right there. And that alone should cause us to raise both our hands every day in our lives to say, thank you, God, for your grace. When I, yet, when I least deserved it, you came for me. You came for the shepherds. Rough edges, not perfectly dressed. You came for all. You came for all. Can I get the worship team to come?